morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? A little bit muggy. Well, what am I saying? It's real muggy out there, but we're going to get through it somehow. Uh, and uh, welcome to our party. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting Weekly Garden Party. We call it the Gestalt Gardener. And I'm your host, horticulturist Felder Rushing. Our producer is awesome, Java Chapman, and we're going to have fun for the next hour or so talking about gardening. Coming up today's uh, broadcast, I'm going to give you a heads up of some things you can be doing in your southern garden, share a few interesting emails, and uh, a little bit of cheesy music as usual, which I adore being able to do every week here at MPB. But most importantly, because we are live here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting, I'll be talking with you in real time about what's going on or not in your own garden. It's a live program, folks. So sit back, join me in Java. So we take a few minutes of news before starting this informal party we call the Gestalt Gardener. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. I was in there goofing off with you, Java. Didn't make it to end here quick enough. <laughs> good morning, folks. Welcome back. I was in the in the other studio just goofing off today and having a good time trying to stop sweating so much. I walked in this morning, and I think the humidity is so thick you could lick it. I'm just not sure about that. But the garden looks good right now. My garden looks good. Your garden looks good because I've been walking around looking at it. I've been all over this place so from top to bottom and side to side. And uh, scratching and sniffing it. And by the way, some of you who live in these fancy neighborhoods with your neighborhood watches and all, I drive around an old pickup truck and I walk around looking creepy as I can be with this long, scraggly hair, you know, in jeans. And not a single security person has stopped me to ask me what my business is. <laughs> your security ain't working, folks. <laughs> Java, you know, did I really just say that? <laughs> Now they're looking for you, Felder. That's okay. That's now okay. They're looking for I got you. my running shoes on, man. I can take off. I'm like one of the Harlem Globetrotters when it comes to scooting. But hey, you you swung by this plant. The the Master Gardeners had a plant swap last week at Monteo Gardens, and you swung by, and it was it, the place was crowded. Yeah, no, it was it was. Oh man, it was jumping. It really was. And you had not seen my truck before, I don't think. Only in pictures, only in pictures, and it was in it was in true form. You even had the mini, the miniature uh, pickup out there. Yeah, it was it was nice. I got a little small metal truck with stuff planted in the back of it, but the bottle trees and now you see what a trashy you know they, they might have told you I was the traffic trash trashy guy, but now you see. But you were the life. You were the life. Everybody was coming asking you. Um, they were just like Felder. Is this this? And you know what? Yeah. What do you think about that? I was like, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, see that this is a real job. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Whatever pays the bills. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're going to be talking about gardening. So speaking of paying bills, we appreciate all the folks who help support us during drive time every year. But I also really appreciate the fact that I don't have to sell stuff. I don't have to do advertising and say, you need to do this or here's a great product. It's really freeing up to know that I can pretty well say whatever I want, whether it's right or not is sometimes up to speculation, but I give it my best shot. The most important thing about here at MPB is we are nonprofit. We're not trying to, to push any products or and when it comes to guarding, no agendas either. I will I will push an agenda of no agenda. How about that? We got some things go, going on. If if anything you want to uh, talk about in your garden, if you've got some bugs or blights or something not quite I've been looking at a lot of pictures of wilted tomatoes lately.
lately because they were planted too early in cold dirt, and, the, and then we got too much rain, and their roots are overwhelmed. The tops are droopy because they've got a lot of top but not very good roots right now. That's okay. I haven't even set mine out. I got some peppers and some tomatoes and some basil last week, and um, I, and I've, I've got the dirt ready. I'm going to plant them this weekend because uh, if you wait a little bit, like cotton farmers, cotton and soybean farmers, they wait until the warm, the dirt is really, really warm before they plant because those, those plants were really jumped in. But anyway, if there's anything you'd like to talk about that's related to gardening or if you have some events going on that that I can help promote, uh, give us a give us a call. It's toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. Got a few notes I want to share with you, but we're going to jump right off the bat. Go down to Minden Hall and talk with Linda. Linda, I want to ask you something. Is that, yes. is that is that restaurant with the revolving table still downtown Minden Hall? It hasn't been open in years. Oh, too the bad. The building is still there. I remember I went in one time and the guy said, "Take your hat off." And I'm thinking, okay, I'm <laughs> I'm back I'm back home again. What's yes, up? That sounds like Mr. Morgan. Yeah. What's your What's up this morning? I want to know what are the What is the name of the flowers that are growing in the median? The yellow flowers. The um, hmm. I see them all down the highway and um, are the flowers. Yeah, are the flowers yeah. kind of are they kind of one at a time on on little stems about as big around as a quarter or something? Mm-hmm. About that, a quarter, fifty cent piece. That could could very well but have it been down. I, the most likely thing is called Coreopsis, and uh, which okay. is which oddly is our uh, interesting enough is our official state wildflower. But Coreopsis looks like black eyed Susan said, but doesn't have that black nose in the middle of it. No, it doesn't have a black. It looks kind of uh, a little reddish or brown. Yeah, 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 yeah. But and if the edges of the the petals are kind of pinked, you know, with like pinking shear right. type thing, that's Coreopsis. It's our state wildflower. Coreopsis. Oh. Yeah, Coreopsis. And there's a whole bunch of different kinds of Coreopsis. There's th- those that come up from seed, and they bl- typically bloom in spring, late spring. And then there's some perennials that bloom pretty much all the time. But the most common one is called Coreopsis grandiflora, big flower. Yes, I wondered if it was seeds or if it was little bulbs. No, it's just seeds. As a matter of fact, you know how clover comes up in the fall, it blooms and then it dies down, it comes back from seed the next fall? That's why Coreopsis right. does. Coreopsis and the, and the wild black-eyed Susan you see out there, both of those come up from seed that are sown in the fall. The, the seedlings have to go through the cold winter before they'll bloom right. Okay, so if I got seed... I would need to sow them. Sometime this fall. I mean, you could sow them now, but they're not going to do anything till fall. Till fall. Yeah. Okay. And uh, okay. let me throw let, let me throw out there is there is another coreopsis out there that uh, it, it used to go by an old fashioned name called Calliopsis. You know, you'll never find it by Calliopsis, but if you could think Coreopsis and T I N T C T tinct Coreopsis tinctoria. Uh, this you know it's it's called. Uh, I can't think of the common name of it. Anyway, it gets a lot taller, and it branches out, has a whole lot more flowers, and it has a little burgundy uh, ring around the middle of the flower, but it blooms later, and you'll start seeing it, oh, sometime, I'm going to say mid to, to late May, it'll start blooming, but it's the taller one, bushier, blooms like crazy, and you'll start seeing it, but it'll be a waist higher. So real thin, airy plant. One plant doesn't really make of a, much of an Im- impact, but the one called Coreopsis tinctoria, Mm, I just can't remember the common name of it's a it's a I would plant both of those this fall. Okay, I 
Thank you so much. Okay. I, I thought that I might just go dig some up, and then I thought, well, if it's seed, I can just steal some seed. Well, you know, the, the way you do that is, you know, wait till the flower petals fall off, and you'll you'll notice on some older flowers, you know, the, some of the older plants, the you know, they'll they'll dry up, and then there'll be a hard little seed pod on it, you know. In other right. words, when the flowers first fall off, it, the little seed pod is green and the seeds aren't ripe and they won't sprout. So get some that, where the seed pod is kind of dried up a little bit. And, and you'll be able to see if you look at it. Well, thank you. I love your show. Well, I appreciate you being part of it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Coreopsis tinctoria. And uh, I'll tell you another really good one that's starting to bloom right now is Queen Anne's Lace. Queen Anne's Lace is not native, uh, but it's become what they call naturalized. It doesn't bust habitats. It's really good for butterflies and pollinators. But between the Coreopsis, the Black-Eyed Susan, and the um, uh, the Queen Anne's Lace, you can have a pretty nice little meadow out there if you've got a big area. And in just a second, I'm going to talk about my very, very favorite urban meadow plant that's one of the best honeybee plants you can put out there but meanwhile we're going to slide up to madison good morning susan how are you this morning hey felder how are you i'm fine thanks for being part of the gestalt garden program oh i love your show what's up i I, I call in a lot (laughs) well what can i help you with today okay i have a beautiful old dwarf weeping japanese maple Uh uh-huh that i've had about probably eight years and two years ago we transplanted it to our new place in madison and the first year it did really good but this year it it's like the end of the branches uh-huh. are dead like yep. little pieces of the branch yeah. are dead. mine too Really? Is that yeah. okay? Well, it's not okay. That's fairly normal, though. Uh, Japanese maples, and I've got three in my garden. I've got three completely different houses. One that gets pretty big. It's almost like a little small shade tree. But two of them are real small, you know, the little bonsai-looking Japanese, and the real feathery right. leaves. Uh, they grow, oddly enough, they'll grow uh, up in Canada. You know, cold doesn't affect them. But what affects them is if we have a mild winter and a lot of moisture, their roots are real sensitive to staying a little too wet too long, or a little too dry too long. And we have both of those back-to-back here. And uh-huh. uh, what happens if you plant, mine are planted on, in raised beds. If you if you plant it on top of the ground and pile soil up to it, like a baseball pitcher's mound, that'll get uh-huh. it through the wet spells. And if you'll give it just a good soaking about once a month in the summertime, that'll get it through the dry spells. But a little too wet, a little too dry, ends up with root problems that shows up as twig dieback. That's what you've got. It's, it's normal. Oh. Just go out there, you know, get you a cup of coffee, a glass of wine, whatever you need, in one hand, a pair of snippers in the other hand. Just snip off the dead stuff and don't worry about it. Good. So it, it probably won't die on me then, right? Oh, they, they die. They, they die. I've had them die before from staying too wet and getting root damage. And what happens, they put out all these leaves in the spring, and it looks great. And then when it gets really hot in the summer, all of a sudden they got a lot of leaves and no roots. And it'll die suddenly, just turn completely brown you know, within a few days in the summertime, or if they stay too dry, you'll have a good bit of twig back, die back. But the main thing about these is is uh, just snip, you know, snip out the dead stuff. Maybe thin out some of the extra. If you've got two branches that are real close to each other, cut one of them off, and that'll help balance the top of the roots a little bit better. Okay, because ours is like yours. It's the big one. I mean, it was probably five or six feet across. I mean, it's Big, big one. Yeah. And I bought it at Walmart for $10. I don't think they knew what they had. Well, and there's a good really chance, a really good chance it got a lot of root damage from not being watered off enough at the garden center. 
I mean, these are real sensitive plants. They're not on my top 100 list, but they're so pretty, you just about have to have it. Oh, and one other thing. We see them growing in full sun here. They actually do better in the light shade. The further north you go, the better they tolerate the sun because they just don't like our really hot, radiating all-night heat. So anyway, it's a pretty plant, but it needs a little coddling. Well, I'll take care of her because I love her. <laughs> All righty. And uh, also, put, right. your, put your little gnome up under, take a picture of it, just in case something happens. All right. Thank you, <laughs> You bet. Thanks, Susan. All right. And let's go to Newton. Hey, Pauline. Good morning. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. What's going on? Oh, I, thank you for the tip you gave me about the fig trees that plant some flowers with it. Mm-hmm. It's working. That's working for me. Yeah, and that gives you something to look at. It gives you something to look at while the fig's growing. Okay. Um, now, I didn't get a chance to ask you about my pear tree. I have a pear tree that I can't find another one, a little brown, pretty fair mm-hmm. pear, uh-huh. and it's good for canning. Yeah. So I did hear a method of tapping into that root, tapping into the root and let it grow up. Is that dangerous? Well, it's not so much dangerous, but a lot of times when you buy a fig tree, it's grafted, and the part, the pear. You mean the pear? Yeah, the, the 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 part that you like is 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 grafted. It's a type of pear that's grafted on the roots of another kind of wild pear, and, if, and a lot of times if it sprouts below that graft, comes up the root. It's one of those wild pears, like you see along the roadside, with little bitty hard, knobby little things. So uh, if yours was a, if you bought it at a garden center or you bought it at a store, it's going to be grafted, which means the roots are not going to be the same pair. No, no, no. I, it's it's in my friend's yard. Yeah, but, but, but I know. Oh, but okay. what, what I'm saying is, is if they bought it, you know, if it came from a store, it's going to be a grafted pair. That means okay. that means the top part ain't the same as the root part. She don't know. She was there when she moved there. Okay. Know. Well, you know, it's possible. You know, it's a little diff- it's a little tricky, but it's for, for hundreds of years, people have been taking pieces of one pear or apple off and sticking them on another one. It's called grafting. And uh, I bet we might be able to find somebody there through the, the community college there in, in Newton that can uh, help you graft it, get your new one started. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. It's a start. Okay. Good luck. All right. All right. Before we uh, t- take any other calls, let me throw out a couple of things. There's uh, th- this coreopsis, one I was thinking that's called Plains Coreopsis because it grows out on the plains. And it's yellow. It's got a nice burgundy uh, maroon uh, center all around, r- around the middle of it. But it's a taller plant. Uh, plains Coreopsis, Coreopsis tinctorius, one of my favorites. It looks really good mixing in the flower bed because it's tall and it's airy. It's a filler plant. It doesn't, it's not really stunning on its on its own. Let's go to Starkville. Hey, Chip, thanks for holding, man. What's up? Hey, good morning. Howdy. Um, I moved here from Florida almost a year ago out to Starkville here. Mm-hmm. And back in Florida, I always had compost piles. Mm-hmm. And I'm having a problem here with one I built that I've never had. I got ants. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. All inside the compost pile. I was aerating it with a metal rod the other day. Oh, they, they'll eat you up. They did. Yeah. I re- yeah they got me. So yeah. is, there, is it safe to put ant poison on the compost pile? Well, it's it's yes and no. Uh, you know, if you've got worms in there, you know, worms, you know, they can dive deep into compost to scrape the ants off of them. But what will kill ants, will get, a lot of times will kill worms unless you use one of those baits. Here's something else you could try, though. If you'll, is it a very big compost? Is it a compost bin or just a compost pile? It's a circular, uh, you know, wire pile, and I've, I've, I've got about a lot of layers. It's probably a 
good four feet high. And yeah. Probably yeah. three feet in diameter. Yeah. Well, I was, I was to say, you could do this thing called solarizing. You can wet it down real good, or after this rain, we just add, throw a piece of clear plastic over it and uh, put some boards or something to hold it down against the ground, and the sun will heat that up, and it will steam them like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, I was kind of hoping as the compost, you know, cooked. No, um, it's not enough for the, the fi- fire ants, which are the ones that are going to have built up in your mind after all this rain. Fire ants, they love heat. They love it. They just don't like to be steamed. But anyway, to answer your question, you can get one of these fire ant baits and put in there, and that'll be safe for all the other critters because there's lots of things in a compost pile that actually do the work uh, mm-hmm. that that, you know, fire, that liquid poisons will kill them too. The other option is just to ignore them, just work, you know, work real fast and don't worry about them. I mean, that, well, that's, that's kind of where I was going. I was thinking, what difference does it make? In the long run, not much. You know, you know if you'll, you know, just work quick and understand you need to keep your hands on you keep your eyes on your fingers <laughs> but uh but they don't really do that much damage to be honest with you okay all right well i'll try your steaming them you know like a make a steamable amp yeah it needs to be clear plastic it shines through heat well it's sort, sort of like uh you know the inside of your car or your truck when the windows all roll up and sun comes out i got you and I that you. that'll okay. that'll do and uh the worms can go down real quick and try to cool off the ants can't Okay, okay. And I want to mention, since I moved out here, I really enjoy listening to your show. I appreciate it. What part, of Florida, what part of Florida did you come from? Jacksonville Beach. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I lived there my whole life and just got too crowded. My daughter's in vet school out here, and she said, why don't you move out here? And I did, and I love it. That's a, you know, it's a, it's a cool little town, too. It is. It is. Well, thank, thank you for your help, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chip. Email me anytime. Thanks. All right, we're going to take a little bit of a break and come back with some more of your phone calls. i got a few things that are going on right now. And uh, if you know of any garden events, shoot them an email, garden at mpbonline.org, or give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring You know, I can do all sorts of, you know, jumping up and down and dancing and clicking and stuff like that, but I'd rather just talk about gardening because that's what we do here. And it's free. And we don't sell anything. Load the diversity, load the different kind of callers and the weird questions. And now, if I get stumped, somebody will help us out. But anyway, that's the way we roll here on the Gestalt Gardener. It's one of many local produced programs here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Tune in anytime or go to our website and uh, check out all the wonderful different custom crafted local programs we got here. We'll be right back. I'm Horticulture Felder Rushing. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, dear folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing, talking about gardening, and uh, would like to throw out a couple of things that that uh, in in my little yard is. You know, I'm I'm gonna get around to planting my basil and my peppers and a few other plants soon. But right now, their hole is being taken up by stuff I planted back in the fall. So I'm waiting for my kale and my pansies and a few other things to burn out. They're starting to get that way as soon as it gets hot. But anyway, we have plenty of time to plant stuff. We have two complete back-to-back 
summer gardening seasons here uh, in this part of the South. You can plant something in the spring and completely harvest everything if you grow in tomatoes and peppers and stuff by July. And you can plant an entire new summer garden first week in August and still get a good harvest before fall. Two summer gardens. So don't feel like you got to rush this one. Take your time. Garden centers are brimming with all sorts of cool stuff, flowers, herbs, different kinds of peppers, heirloom uh, tomatoes, a lot of really fun stuff, perennials, and uh, a good number of pollinator plants too, uh, which which is real kind of trendy. would like to throw out though, my favorite pollinator plant right now, it was a nemesis of my childhood. It's something that when I was a kid, I had to wear flip-flops all the time because I had to mow the grass. Couldn't go swimming until I mowed the grass. And in the spring and early summer, we had a wonderful little plant out there, little low-growing clover that has white flowers, little roundish cluster flowers, and the honeybees just love it. It's called white clover. And uh, up north, they actually use it as part of their lawn because the clover grows. It blooms. It's great for pollinators. It doesn't have any kind of insect disease problems. And then when it dies down, as it decomposes, it provides nitrogen for the lawn. It actually absorbs nitrogen from the air. And uh, so clover, that white clover you see in your yard, your neighbor's yard, driving you nuts, it's one of the most beneficial lawn companion plants you can have. And when it gets really, really hot and you mow it, it disappears. So it's not going to really affect your summer lawn except for the better. But white clover right now is full bloom. Honeybees love it. Other little pollinator, the little hoverflies and things love it. And it's good for your lawn. And the worst it can do is look a little unruly. But hey, so what? Uh, unruly is okay. I've had four inches of rain since last Friday. Got a really good heavy rain Saturday afternoon. Nice and slow and deep. Uh, got a really good one the other night. There's some hail and some wind and all, but I look, looked up okay. But I also noticed that my nandinas are in full bloom. Those plants, the little feathery plants, have the wonderful uh, clusters of red berries in the, the wintertime. Nandinas are in full bloom. My magnolias are blooming. And, um, Anyway, looking forward to this uh, next weekend, not this weekend, but I'm going uh, to another state to give a talk to the Herb Society of America. And I love how the fact that they, they say Herb Society because it's got an H. Let's go to Mobile. Hey, Gene, good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? I got a question. Yeah, man. Uh, put, put on your swarmy hat now. I can. Okay. Uh, I went and picked up some plants for a landscaping company I do a little side work for, and mm-hmm. uh, the guy gave me one of the plants that he had in this he said it was kind of like a gardenia, and a, 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 a smaller than a magnolia, so it's bigger than a gardenia. Some kind of little plant. I think it blooms in February, but it was something like a... Star a, a, magnolia. I'm sorry? Star magnolia. Is that what it's called? I thought it was something like dumb, like a dumb uh, uh, huh. chrysanthemum. I mean, not a gardenia, but I, I can't remember. Oh, oh uh, would it be a camellia of some kind? No, that, that camellias have, you know... Leaves like sort of like a the southern magnolia. Um, well, he says something like a dumb gardenia. I know the last part of it was gardenia. Dumb's not right, I'm sure. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I tell you what, you know, I'm drawing a blank on that, but it doesn't mean that I don't know. It could just mean I can't remember or I'm not being. My, my all my cylinders aren't firing, but if you stay tuned, maybe somebody can help us out. But meanwhile, if you can, Gene, shoot me an email because I'm always curious about stuff like this. Well, and, I, I'm uh, 76 years old. My flip phone won't send you one. But. Oh, well, stay stay tuned. Let's see what we can come up with. But but he said it blooms in February. I think I think 
but I know the last part of the name was Gardenia. It's like dumb Gardenia. Something was like that, but anyway. I okay, I, I, I believe it or not, that's enough for a lot of folks to go on. A lot of folks to go on. So stay tuned. Let's see what we can come up with. But all right. appreciate it. All right, look forward to it, Gene. Thank you. Okay, who else is something Magnolia? Something is Magnolia. I don't know. Help us out, folks. He said it's got little white flowers in the late mid to late winter. Um, I wonder if it's a flowering quint. No, that doesn't even sound like my. I don't know. Okay, here's an expert. I've written 18 books. I got degrees on top of degrees. And I'm able to say, I don't know. <laughs> Somebody help me out. Meanwhile, let's go to Rizlin. Hey, John, how are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> so far, so good. What's up, man? So I had a question about um, maintenance for lawns. And I used to live in the Northeast, and it was common every four or five years you needed to have your lawn aerated and defat. Uh-huh. And I wonder if that's done with southern lawns or if you need to do it or what the deal is with that. Well, a couple of things. In, um, and keep in mind that I'm a trained turf specialist. I don't have any grass because I don't want to do all the stuff and I'm gone most of the time. But, but but that sort of frees me up to say what I think. And uh, based on, you know, the thatch is really not that big a deal here. We have a different kind of grass than you had up north. You had rye or fescue or one of those kind of grasses. We have the running kind, Bermuda, Centipede, St. Augustine. They're completely different plants. And uh, dethatching, usually in our kind of southern soils, if you mow high, that thatch, the grass clippings and all, decompose very, very quickly and actually recycle the nutrients back in the soil. See, so, you know, if you're mowing regularly and it's mostly just grass clippings out there, they shrivel up real quick and almost immediately start breaking down and recycling nutrients. What about the aeration, you know, the little... Thing yeah. Well, Rizland's got a lot of clay soil, and and uh, roots of grass, trees, shrubs, things like that. They don't grow very deep simply because in our kind of heavy soil, water takes a long time to soak in, but air doesn't go very deep. So you know, with, with roots that are real shallow, because they need both air and moisture, and uh, aerating punches holes in the ground. And while those holes are still open before they snap shut again, roots can grow quickly enough down to the bottom to where the roots will grow down deep as they naturally die and decompose, replaced by new roots. The new roots use the old root holes to go down deep. That makes sense. Yes, so, absolutely. So aerating helps a lot in clay soil. You don't have to do it that often. Um, and if you could, if you wanted to spread some sand or something like that as part of the aerating, then what that does is you put little fingers of, of, of when you punch hole in the ground, you're basically putting a finger-shaped hole of air. And it'll close up after a few rains of water. But if you could put some sand out there before or immediately after, but basically the same day or so, then you'll have little fingers of sand that go down, and that'll last a lot longer. Not necessary. Is it, be, is it better to use the pokey kind or the one that removes the big plug? The, the core, core aerators, they, they, they do pull a big old plug out there. You'll have longer benefits from that, you know. And, and if you just mow it, you know, uh, the, the bustles those clods up, it doesn't look quite so bad so long. But either way, it'll work fine. The one that pokes a hole, the spike aerator, works best uh, a couple of three days after good rain. You know, not when it's real muddy and mushy and, you know, that kind of stuff, but not but before it turns real hard. And you can usually rent them. But is it necessary? No. The three keys to having a good lawn here in the South, three keys in order of importance, mow high 
and if you can't do that, forget everything else. You're just fooling yourself. Second of all is give it a good soaking at least once a month through the summertime, but not more than once a week. And the third thing is use a good quality lawn food about once every year or two or three, sometime in April or May. Okay, great. Well, thank yeah. you so much. Okay, that's the start, John. If you want some more detailed stuff, shoot me an email. I, I do this a lot. I wrote the forward to the best-selling lawn care book in the South, and just because I don't have any grass doesn't mean that I can't help you out. Okay. <laughs> All right, appreciate All right, it. Thank you. All right, well, some of the things I really enjoy, Java, is I don't, you know, I don't have a lawn, but I got to, you know, I mow grass as a kid. I work with golf courses and soccer fields. I know what to do. But I don't feel like I got to do. I don't have to prove it to, any, to myself. That's because you don't want to get out there and mow it. <laughs> I don't want to get it mowing, and not all that. But if I'm gone, I don't want to pay somebody to mow it. Just to, you know, in my backyard, I've got a circular area that used to be grass, and I killed all the grass. I planted a bunch of daffodil bulbs, and they come up blooming in the spring. And when they start to die down, I cut them down. I spread just brown mulch. Last time I checked, brown is a color too, and it's nice and flat, same color as my dog do. So I don't have to worry about that. But it still has that flat open area, and instead of being green and high maintenance, it's brown and works works like a charm. Now you know that caller came in and uh, he kind of kind of stumped you a little bit. We had another call caller uh, call in and say it could have been uh, maybe a dwarf gar- gardenia. You know, I, it could very well be. And they don't bloom in the, in the wintertime. They bloom in the, you know, in the summer. But dwarf gardenia. I, and he said dumb. He said yeah, something with, with a D. D. Yeah, so that could, that, could have been, that could be it. Okay. They didn't leave. They, they didn't say who it was. He just said, feller's an idiot. It's a dwarf gardenia. <laughs> yeah, they didn't, they didn't want to go on air with it, so they just <laughs> left it with us. Well, we'll go with that for right now. But meanwhile, we want to do this, this cheesy tune. It's really good. Dwarf gardenia blooms in the summer. A little small plant, real fragrant, cool little thing, roots in water. We're going to be back uh, right after this cheesy tune I chose after walking through some woods the other day. She comes on like a rose, but everybody knows she'll get you in touch. You can look, but you better not touch. Poison Make you love it. 
Dancing like a hound The minute you start to mess around Poison Ivy Poison Ivy Late at night while you're sleeping Poison Ivy comes to creeping around La 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 This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. All righty, welcome back, folks. Horticulture's fellow rushing poison ivy. I saw one of the biggest poison ivy vines I've ever seen in my life the other day, and it must have gone. It was along a hedgerow uh, out, out, out in the uh, out, out in the country, and it must have been 150 feet long. It may not have been the same plant, but the leaves are huge. I've seen poison ivy with trunks going up trees. The trunks are bigger than my forearm. Big old hairy things. Wonderful, wonderful plant. But boy, am I allergic to it. Um, got a, this called came in and basically they didn't say fellers and idiots dwarf gardenia they just said dwarf gardenia click <laughs> by the way java this is something i'm gonna tell you a story on me years ago this fellow called up and he was uh he wanted to chat about uh something he said his grandson was in town they were doing something out in the yard wanted to know how to do it and what they were doing wouldn't work you know it just was it's a good idea but wouldn't work and i explained to him you know why Blah blah blah. The very he thanked me and hung up. The very next caller was my mother. She's she's been dead all these years now. But the very next call was my mother, and all she said was, "Young man, you just blew it." And I knew it was my mother. She said that fella didn't want your negative horticulture advice and you, you know, all your. He, he it was a beautiful day. He wanted to have a, an experience outside with his grandson, and you blew it. Click. <laughs> and she was right. She was right. Anyway, give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring Got the lines open right now. Got a couple of emails while we were uh, waiting and uh, while, while we were listening to the music. And one is a, this, uh, one is a master gardener from down in, in Copan County. She said she uses a product on her fire ant mounds and, uh, and in her compost that works well against fire ants. And I don't think it hurts anything else. It's called spinosad or spinosad. It's actually sort of a ground up. If I'm not, if if I'm correct, I think it's a ground up shrimp shell material. But I'm not sure. But there are other things that work on fire ants. There are plenty of things that work on fire ants. But the main thing is, and I don't think spinosad spinosad will affect worms. Um, it's an expense, though. You know, it's one of those kind of things where, in the long run, I think if you could just work with them, if you could just mess with them and irritate them and work with them, for the most part, uh, we can garden around fire ants unless they're directly affecting you. They're piled up against your tomato plant or they're all around the mailbox or they're, you know, and then the kids' uh, sandbox. If there's something that are directly affecting you, now, here's an oddball thing. They've a researcher has shown that in the springtime, with all the rain, these fire ant mounds pop up like crazy because fire ants don't like to stay wet. They like to aerate. They like to warm up. They like to dry out their nests. So we see a lot of fire ant mounds pop up temporarily after big rain, but then they tend to settle down into a few mounds here and there. And they've actually found that if you can leave a big mound alone, it sort of has a suppressing effect on other fire ant 
mouths in the area. I don't know whether they're territorial or what. But uh, my advice is, if you can't fix it, here's the order of importance. If you can't fix it, flee it, or fight it, flow with it. Let's go to Hal in Columbus. Hey, Hal, good morning, sir. Good morning, Felder. I've got a question for you. Yeah, what's up? About a year ago, we had a big uh, tornado come through town and uh, lost a lot of trees in my backyard. Yeah. And during the cleanup process and debris removal, my backyard was totally destroyed. Oh, yeah. By the equipment they used and tracking back and forth and big stuff. And, and they don't even think about it. Well, he asked. <laughs> he said, you mind if I tear up your yard? In other words, in other words he, was, he was a polite way of saying, I'm about to booger up your yard. Yeah, and just kind of giving me a heads up. Yeah. Well, um, I was finally able to borrow a tractor. I had, to, I had to borrow a tractor from a friend and get a – I had to disc it. Uh-huh. I've got like 10,000 square feet. I, I guess I'm about a quarter acre, third of an yeah. acre lot. Yeah. Um, but the backyard's about 10,000 square feet. Uh, I let it ride during the summer. Didn't do anything to it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess back in January, I spread a lot of uh, winter grass or rye grass. Right. I'm not real yeah. sure what it is. Yeah, rye grass. Well, now I'm to the point of I would really love to plant centipede. Yeah. And I'd really love to not have to sod. Yeah, well, you don't have to. You don't have to. But uh, My here... question is, when? Okay, n- now's a good time. When ryegrass starts, to, when it gets hot, it starts, you know, getting longer and thinner. It starts burning out. And if you can cut it really close and then let the clipping sort of dry up for, for a few days, then the, the plants will die when it gets hot. But their roots down in the ground provide a nice little hole for the centipede roots to, to follow down. So it's like it's almost making a little root path for you out there. So anytime this month, April, May is a real good time. Here's the, 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 the problem with the centipede. It's not really a problem with the challenge. Centipede seed takes three weeks to just sprout. And if you throw it out there and it's rattling around and it starts to sprout and it's hot and dry, that little tiny seedling can die. So you've got to be prepared to wet it down. So you might want to do this in, in, in phases, you know. Set you a couple of sprinklers out there, and wherever the sprinklers go, put your seed out there. And all you got to do is just wet it down, Hal. You don't have to water it just because just we're trying to keep those seeds, trying to get them started sprouting with a little water. And then after a couple of three weeks, you need to be able to keep them wet down for, uh, you know, every two or three days to keep them from drying out and dying until they get started. That's the challenge. The uh one thing I remember hearing from one fella is uh, there needs to be a minimum temperature. Yeah, we, we're, we're way ahead. We're, we're way above that. Okay, 50, I don't have to worry about temperature. No, no, no. 50, you know, more 50, than a day or two. No, 50, no, we're way past that. You know, we usually wait, say wait till April, you know, till, till the soil is 50 or bo- uh, above. And then it ain't, ain't going to get below 50 till next January. So, so you can start the seeds any time, but again, Hal, they take three weeks to sprout. You need to be prepared to wet the seeds down at least a couple of three times a week r- until they sprout. And when they start sprouting, you can water a little bit more deeply and then skip a couple of three days. You know, what we're trying to do is tease the roots down on the ground. And once that once grass gets up and you can see it, then you're pretty well done with it. Yeah, I understand that the stuff is really slow growing and it may take couple of years no 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 you you can get a good stand you know in one year the trick oh. is getting them uh, the first month getting the seeds sprouted and where they get roots down to the ground so they don't roll around on top of the ground and, and and die if it turns hot in in may or june gotcha 
Gotcha. And uh, so, and you've got a real advantage having the the ryegrass out there because because the, the, the centipede sees they will find those holes and follow the roots down real quick. Excellent, excellent, good deal. Yeah, and one one, so one last thing: let's don't fertilize it until you've mowed it a time or two. Okay. And when you do that, use the stuff called they call centipede food. Yeah. And that's the only fertilizer you will ever need for centipede grass. It has everything the grass needs, winterizing and everything. Once now, the, once every that, couple of, couple of years is enough, but once a year max. The the actual seed that I need to purchase can Cent- that be purchased at just a regular lawn and garden center? Yeah, uh, centipede seed. It'll surprise you. It's a little, it's, it's a little pricey, but it yeah, goes I'm, it goes I'm along. Yeah, mix it with some sand because it's easier to spread a bigger volume. If you mix it with sand and just spread the sand real even, that'll take the seeds real even. Um, I saw one bag that said centipede seed with mulch. It was about a maybe five or ten pound bag. Yeah, you don't need that. Just see if you can find the centipede seed. Mix it with sand and make it easier to spread. That's all it is. Just get straight seed. Yeah, well, just do do a cost-benefit analysis. Gotcha. All righty, man. Good deal. Email, so email anytime, Hal. You bet. Good luck on it. All right, let's go up to Oxford. Hey, Bill, what's going on, man? Hey, Felder, how are you? I'm doing good. Better than I deserve. Yeah. Sounds good. Hey, I got a question. I know I've been listening to you preach the mowing high for years, (laughs) and I do it, but the trouble is how do you spread the word to your wife? How do you convince her that that's how your guard should look? You can't. Exactly. She hired a guy behind my back to come and mow our grass because she right after I got done mowing, she didn't like it. So she got it down to, I think she expects it was like a golf course, and now it's dead. Of course it's yeah. dead. Centipede and St. Augustine, they don't have underground runners like Bermuda grass. Bermuda grass, you can mow it close because it's got runners going to the ground. But centipede and St. Augustine grow on top of the ground, and you're you're not supposed technically you're not supposed to take off more than about a third of the leaf blade at a time. But the grass will be thicker, it'll be healthier, it'll be more resistant to drought, to heat, to cold, to weeds, and everything if you can get it thick. And the the main way to do that, eighty percent. 85% of a good quality centipede lawn is mowing medium to high. You don't have to mow it as high as St. Augustine, but it's not its not a carpet. It's not a carpet grass, and that thins it out, you know, with a bunch of weeds. That's right, exactly. I, and and, and uh, she just she just doesn't believe me. So, uh, so okay. maybe if I was more specific, she's a... Every, she's every, a every, every lawn care publication in the South, from Texas to the Carolinas, every single one of them emphasized this. Uh, it's, it's not something I'm preaching. This is what they taught me at Mississippi State when I studied turf management. And uh, almost all the lawns I see that have got a lot of problems are caused by kind of they're cutting it too close. It doesn't matter to me what people do or don't do. This is just looking at it from the grass's point of view. If you can convince her to look at it from the grass's point of view, and the fact that if she keeps it cutting it low, it's going to suffer. It's going to need more help, needs more water, needs more fertilizer, and you are going to have a lot more weeds because it opens up for sunshine. Period. That's the yeah, I okay. That's but, great but, advice. That's but, exactly what I'll tell her. But don't don't mention me in all this. I won't drag you into it. Okay. In okay. <laughs> Good luck. That's great advice. Look at it from the lawn's point of view. That's it. That that's exactly you know you know if you had a cat, or if you had a bird, would you feed it cat food? No. Or you know you know you can do tell her you can do stupid stuff to a poodle, but don't do it to a spaniel. 
Okay, that's good. great advice. That's exactly what I was looking for. Good luck. Great. Thanks, <laughs> Felder. Okay, let's go to uh, Annie in West Point. Hey, Annie. Oops, push a button, Felder. Hey, Annie, good morning. Good morning. Howdy, what's up? Well, talking about grass and animals, I have sheep for pets, and my yard has become my pasture. Oh, yeah. And they'll... I plant ryegrass in the fall, which does wonderfully well for foraging for them. But it burns out so, when it gets hot. Yeah. What is a good summer grass that would be nutritional and lush? Okay. You you know, this is, but I'll be totally honest with you. This is, a, a, you, you need to call the county extension office and talk to them because I don't know about forage crops. You know, I live in, I, I, I spend a lot of time in England and Scotland and Wales and all like that, and sheep are everywhere, but they have a whole different kind of grass that grows over the summertime than we have, and I don't know, uh, I, I, I don't know. That's, and, uh, that is, uh, not, that's a different pay grade. So call the county extension office. They, they know more about, uh, animal husbandry, nutrition, things that grow well in the summertime. Okay, thank you. Or, you bet. Ooh, I hate to say, ain't my job, but I don't know nothing about sheep. I don't know nothing about sheep. That's what make you great, Felder. Some <laughs> people would have tried to muddle and fuddle through that, like, really? But you say, I don't know, and well, keep know, it moving. Yep, and maybe somebody call and say, Felder, click, 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 and then hang up on me. <laughs> anyway, uh, if the feller who called early wanted to know about do we need to take a quick break? Real short, real short. Okay, let's let's do that. And uh, we've got time. Got the, the lines open if you want to give us a little call. we got time to work in two or three more calls real quick. Otherwise, shoot me an email. I was going through my emails the other day, and I went through, uh, went back a little bit further than I had for what I was looking for something, and I came across a whole batch of emails that I never answered. I mean, I must have been on the road. Maybe it was in California. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, I'm going to sit down this afternoon and get caught up on them. But you can shoot us an email anytime, garden at mpbonline.org. Got a real interesting email from a fellow who sent me a YouTube thing just in about filling a fire ant colony with molten aluminum and ending up with a fire ant colony cast. Appreciate that. Horticulture's Felder Rushing here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting, one of many locally produced programs right here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hardy, welcome back, folks. Horticulture's fellow Russian got the lines open if you want to squeeze in a call or two real quick. I uh, got an email this morning from uh, from. Uh, she calls herself sad in Boonville, Donna Dean. She said I had a flower bed, a great big old hostas, uh, and she really likes them. I had them there for a dozen years or so. But she said this year only three hostas have come up and are starting to freak out. Uh, seven or eight hostas just aren't there. Wants to know if they're dead or not. Uh, here's the deal. My hostas, I've seen hostas this year coming up already. My hostas are not coming up yet. Uh, 
could be because, you know, they got damaged during the extreme drought last summer. Don't know. But also, hostas need cold weather. The hosta society is in Minnesota. Okay. Now, colder it gets, the better they seem to do. So I would give up on them yet, but I also would not go poking around looking for them because if hostas are out there, their little leaf buds are real tender, little pointy, reddish-looking things, and you can break them off. So, uh, you know, you might want to gently kind of stroke the soil or the mulch around them, see if they're there. But, you know, I've, I've lost hostas over the years because they they, they, they don't like hot, hot, long, dry spells, which we have, and I'm kind of lazy gardening. I don't take care of stuff. But um, anyway, I'll send you a little bit more of a detailed thing. My daffodils also did not bloom well this year but simply because it wasn't cold enough. Let's go up to, to Corinth. Hey, Judy, what's going on way up there? Hi there, Felder. Uh, I wanted to know the best way to propagate rose bushes. I'm not having any luck. Well, the the folks who who who... The the people who grow the most roses from cuttings do it in the winter. You can do it in the summer, but typically we take cuttings, and I've rooted. I don't know. I, I no idea how many roses I rooted over the years, um, but they root best December, January, February, sometime like that. Stuck in some pretty good dirt, like in between your pansies or whatever. And by the time the pansies burn out, they're usually rooted. So that's the best time. Small cuttings taken in the winter time root about the time they they leaf out in the spring. Okay, so no root hormone or anything like that? Uh, the root hormone can up your success rate, but my, my trick has always been to stick more than I wanted. You know, it, let's say I get about a one out of two a root, I'll stick ten for every five that I want. And uh, what I do, I got a nice little sunny flower bed, and I plant pansies and violas and stuff. And in the, the fall, I just stick them in between my plants, and they, they root. Okay, so we're almost out of time here. Let's go to Charlie in North Van Cleve. Hey, Charlie, good morning. Hey, good morning. I got a quick question about uh, bahia grass. Yeah. Look, I've got a stand of bahia grass. When does it go to seed? Is it seeded when it's just a little small black when it's fresh, or has it got to get hard to dry seed on top before I, it goes back? You know, I, I don't know. I've been around bahia, you know, all, all my life is what they use on the roadside a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know when the seeds are mature. Um, I, I do know that after it starts growing, they flower and seed pretty, pretty regularly, you know, steadily. So, um, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I, you know, that's my fourth time I've been stumped today, and I, I ain't scared at all, but I'm getting a little nervous here. So, anyway. Elder, I, you let me down. You no, 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 right, no, no, no. Thank I, you a lot. Well, I'll do some more research on it. Or shoot me an email and make me do some research, because that way maybe I can learn something. Give me your email address. Garden at mpbonline.org. Hey, thank you. Thank you a lot. All right, babe. Okay, John, are you putting these folks up to this today? I didn't do it, Phil. I didn't do it, I promise. Okay. Well, you saw me last week when I was standing out by, by my pickup truck answering questions. I seemed to know what I was talking about then, but I just, I got the cases, I don't know. We might have to start doing the show out in the open air. I, <laughs> I do, do the show outside. Yeah, give me a longer wire for this thing. We're going to go out in the yard and talk about it. Anyway, uh, we got cut off from Judy up in Corinth, but again, if you want to use rooting hormone for your roses, Go for it. It does help. Is it necessary? No, it's not necessary at all. But um, just uh, it'll up up your percentage of takes. Um, the Gestalt Gardener, by the way, is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcast, and I say this all the time. We call it Think Radio. My producer is a laid-back but hard-working Java Chapman, and uh, Jason Klein has been our phone greeter today. 
I'm your host, Felder Rushing, and I'm going to be thinking of you all as I get out to wrap up a few eyes and ends. It's a beautiful weekend. It's supposed to rain again Sunday. Uh, main thing, hope your garden fares well and you stay uh, cool, not too humid. Um, and take this weekend as an opportunity to take a kid or a neighbor or anybody to a garden center or farmer's market. See what you can come up with out there. And most important thing, find out new ways of showing other people how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. Get dirty. Get dirty.